Welcome back to podcast, folks, with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends, and happy new year. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22, my co-host in 2023, as always, Mr. AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. I'm not seeing any snow in my yard, AJ. I wonder what the weather's like at your end. But so far, uh, it's been a very mild start to the winter season here. Uh, we had some pretty heavy snows, but the weather's... Uh, so we had a white Christmas here, but then the weather warmed up pretty significantly, and it's pretty much all gone at this point. So um, bad news for me, because I'm trying to get out there doing some cross-country skiing training and all that stuff, but... Uh, we got a place here in town that makes snow, so I'm able to still get out there and do that. But there, I'll, there. I'll, I'll take the snow, at, at least until the end of February. Very good, pal. Well, there was a very nice setting, though, for the outdoor game that took place over the weekend featuring the Boston Bruins and your favorite club, the Penguins. And uh, while you didn't get the outcome that you uh, were hoping for, I thought it was a very good game, and uh, I really enjoyed the setting. But as I said on our DK show today, to me, it looks like it's almost a much more pleasant and better viewing experience from the comfort of my couch as opposed to maybe sitting atop the Fenway Green Monster and being, uh, you know, for a quarter mile away from the, the rink that they set up, in fact, which was across the infield, it looked like AJ. Yeah, I mean, as far as going to a game, like I think you're talking more, you know, experience, right? Like you're going to experience everything that goes with it. Um, I, I don't know that you're really that concerned about your view lines <laughs> necessarily, just because I, I think you're right. I think from a strictly viewing perspective, it's it's probably better suited to be at home than, than a lot of these games. But uh, ultimately, I, I would definitely go to one. Um, I haven't been yet, but I would definitely go to one to check out the, uh, you know, the atmosphere and everything that goes with it. Because I, I do think they're a great thing. I, I thoroughly enjoy them uh, every time there is one. Yeah, I got to say I enjoy them. And uh, the visual spectacle that is presented, it's a great backdrop, of course, in places like Fenway. And even when the Leafs played Detroit in the big house in Michigan, uh, that was beautiful too, but I remember seeing videos of friends that went and they had they thought they had really good seats, low seats in the stands. But when it came to the highlights that they showed, you couldn't see the ice because they were shooting it side uh, from side uh, beside the rink, and you couldn't see the the ice. And all you could see the the players from the waist up in a couple of shots. And I thought, well, where's the puck? How do you know what the heck's going on? And so it's like you said, maybe it's just the experience of being there provides. Uh, much of what fans hope for but in terms of treating it like watching your usual hockey games it's a much different experience live than it is on 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 the on the tv in the comfort of your own home however i like you i I look forward to all these events and the next one they plan on is in seattle with vegas the vegas knights uh being the guest so it's going to be a first for both of those clubs the most recent expansion clubs and i think after that there will only be a pair of clubs that have never been in the game so far so i like the way they're set, spreading it around aj and uh, i i look forward to them all the time we also have a canadian heritage uh, day classic that's coming up as well so i'll be able to report on that game later on this month i think it takes place and uh, with that in mind though and the holiday season aj we're going to get into our look around the 32 teams in the league and part of our uh, Review of the past week, maybe a look ahead also, a Christmas gift note uh, where we can think of one for the various clubs will be included in our breakdowns to offer something a little bit different in today's show. And uh, I'll kick us off with a look at the Anaheim situation. Boy, their offense is really dried up, partner. They've got only eight goals in the last six games played. Adam Henrique got a couple of them. Uh, Trevor Zegers picked up three assists. But I want to talk about Mason McTavish. This guy is uh, playing center on a third line. I, I don't think it's right. And uh, my Christmas wish for, for Anaheim is that they move this guy to a second-line scoring situation. I mean, let's face it. The future of this franchise is based on the, his exploits and Trevor Zegers. Can, and they, can they build a team around them? Why not give this guy the best opportunity to get some traction by putting him with some top six wingers instead of the current two that are on his flanks that haven't scored for the last couple of weeks and uh, making his life a little more difficult in that regard. So I'm hoping for a promotion for Mason McTavish to uh, improve their uh, their lot over here in Anaheim. 
Well, in Arizona, uh, you know, things just continue to be what they are. Um, you know, they're seventh in the, the central here. Um, unfortunately, there are some really bad teams in the league this year. Arizona ahead of Chicago, Anaheim, uh, and Columbus all on points. So they're not even – their one wish list item would probably be to win the draft lottery, and they're not even in a position to necessarily uh, have the best odds of winning that. So uh, I guess, you know, if you're an Arizona fan, your, your wish list might be, A, to get some healthy players. Right now they've been using some extra defensemen because they've got uh, Nick Schmaltz, Liam O'Brien are out of the lineup, to name a few. And then, uh, yeah, so wish number one, maybe get healthy. And then wish number two, to lose some more games and hopefully improve your uh, draft lottery pr- uh, chances. I don't know what you can wish for the Boston Bruins, AJ. They're running roughshod over all competition. Even in that uh, game uh, on the weekend, the Classic, uh, you saw what we've been seeing all year long. Uh, they may fall behind, but they're never out of games, and they use that formula late in the games to catch up and overtake all opponents. I've seen it so many times this year, and I hope for the fans of the Bruins that the this regular season success isn't tainted by an early first round exit. So for the Bruins fans, I hope that they're rewarded for their loyalty and the, and the fun of a regular season with an equally long postseason. I don't think there's anything you can say about the depth of this team is pretty solid. They've got uh, Jake DeBrusque filling in very fitting in very nicely on that top line, giving them the flexibility to put Pasternak on the second line. But the, I guess the gifts that this team has gotten, have gotten that uh, come in the last couple of years, in fact, when they've added the likes of Paddle Zaka, Taylor Hall, and uh, and uh, Nick Foligno into this mix. And all three veterans have fit in seamlessly, and it just continues to be a winning formula here. And, and it really, it looks to me like the model is that the players have decided how this ship will be run, and they all line up behind Patrice Bergeron, and uh, it seems that they he he passes out the hymnals, and these guys all sing from the same booklet. And it's no wonder they're having the year that they're having. For the Sabers, it's been a little bit of everything. You've gotten some offensive production out of guys like Alex Tuck this last week, four points. Kyle Oposo chipping in with a trio of goals. Jeff Skinner gets two points. Casey Middlestad with two goals, and then solid netminding really all around. They played three games this last week. Craig Anderson unfortunately suffered a loss. Despite a 938 save percentage in that performance, uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen uh, gets the two wins for them this last week. 0.915 was the save percentage. Buffalo starting, uh, you know, they started really good to the year, kind of dipped off a little bit. And I think they're starting to improve here. And I think there's a chance that they could at least put themselves in the mix for a playoff spot here. Now, they're definitely on the outside looking in 38 points. That trails uh, Tampa Bay for third in the Atlantic by nine, so a bit of a hike there. Um, not much better when you look at the wild card. They would be uh, trailing the Tide Penguins and Islanders, who are at 44 points apiece by six. So there's plenty of work that the Sabres need to do. But the last 10 games, they've been 7-2-1. and one. Like I said, they're getting some offense from uh, you know some of their pieces here. Victor Olofsson, no points in their last three games. That would definitely be a concern for me, as well as the fact that Tage Thompson just won goal in those three contests. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin would just one assist as well. So there are uh, it's not all sunshine and roses in Buffalo, but they appear to be trending in the right direction and getting some really solid net minding here. And in uh, Carolina, the news is getting better in terms of the infirmary. They're getting healthier. Max Pacioretty is not too far away from making his debut with this club, and they've they've kind of treaded water and then some uh, to remain among the top teams in the league without the exploits of a bona fide scorer who has yet to really make his imprint here. So a healthy Max Pacioretty. And then what to do about Freddie Anderson's situation? He's nearing a situation where he'll be healthy in uh, Carolina, but They've got a dynamic duo in that that doesn't include him with Pyotr Kochetkov ceding some time to Antti Ranta in the last couple of weeks. And Ranta's responded with five straight, very solid starts. So goaltending, not an issue. Maybe my Christmas wish is a solid uh, entree for Pacioretty and an exit strategy that will net them some assets for Freddie Anderson because he's no longer needed in this mix, it looks like to me. In Calgary, they uh, have relatively good health right now. They did just find out that Brett Ritchie 
um, is dealing with a, a wrist injury, could be uh, in doubt for, for a little bit of time here. He's going to meet with a specialist. That's certainly never a good sign for a short-term absence. But other than that, they've been a pretty healthy team offensively. Um, I would say maybe inconsistent would be the term I would use to describe it. You've got Nazem Kadri, Rasmus Anderson with three points apiece in their last three games, but then you have guys that you count on to produce here, uh, like Michael Backlin, just one goal. Dylan Dubé, just one assist. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau continues to be underwhelming for what you would have expected when you traded for him, just one goal in the last three games. So inconsistent uh you know, in terms of their offensive game. And I think overall um, should still be a playoff team. We're going to see some more Jacob Markstrom tonight, which means he'll get three of their last four games, uh, despite the fact that Dan Vladder's one outing over the last week here was a pretty good one. Nine, three, five save percentage, 2.01 goals against average in a winning effort. So uh, interesting to see how that goalie split works out moving forward. And some interesting news out of Chicago this past week, AJ, when all along we thought the addition of Max Domi at the beginning of the season was effectively to to bolster their offense temporarily and position them to drop him in a trade at the upcoming deadline. But he's had uh, an interesting season, a productive one on the ice, and uh, he likes being in Chicago. So there are some rumblings that, that he wants to stay, and the club has been very pleased with the way he has fit in and uh, has been a good soldier here. And maybe they want to retain him as a piece to build around. So that's one positive outcome. And so a long-term contract for Max Domi is something that I hope for the Hawks situation. And also the fact that Patrick Kane, who started very poorly out of the gate offensively, has picked up his pace. He's definitely going to be one of the, one of the key players sought at the trade deadline and enhancing his trade value is uh, happening only because the scoring totals are starting to pick up. And uh, that's another bit of good news. So maybe two Christmas presents under the tree for the Hawks with the signing of Max Domi and uh, good trade value coming back for Patrick Kane. Should he keep up his offensive exploits? Columbus is another one of those teams that is only uh, Christmas wish list is to have the number one pick next year. They've got a pretty good shot at it, finishing currently uh, last in the Metropolitan with 24 points. That's still behind Chicago, who leads the way with a mere 20 points this season. Uh, You're not going to get much else out of Columbus this year. Some of their top players are hurt in Boone Jenner, Jacob Voracek, Zach Wierenski. Um, Their goaltending has been subpar at best, so there's really no one thing that could really fix this team. I think what you're looking for potentially is who can you ship out, what sort of value you can get there in terms of potential candidates for that. Gustav Nyquist could be one. He's 33 years old, uh, be a free agent next year. That's That just screams rental to me. Vladislav Gavrikov on the blue line is another player that could potentially fit that for the right spot, the right team. So um, really – this team's Christmas list is all about what they can get in the offseason to prepare for next year. Well, the Christmas gifts are coming from the infirmary in Colorado as well. Nate McKinnon rejoined the club last week, and uh, so the captain's in, in tow. And right behind him, we're expecting Valery Nichushkin to rejoin this lineup. Of course, he had a breakout year in Colorado last year, and this year's been a bit of a mess in terms of the injuries that he's dealt with all season long. Now the only guy that remains on the among the forward ranks as a concern is Gabe Landeskog, and he too will be a part of things before too long. So a healthy roster for the defending champs to take a run at at uh, reclaiming the cup and going back-to-back. Uh, they're going to need all hands on deck because a number of other teams have improved. So that's the wish list in Colorado, that the, the injury list gets emptied sooner rather than later. Any expectation that Joe Pavelski could be available on the market went out the window when the Stars signed him to a one-year contract extension. He's going to take a pay cut here to stay in Dallas. He's making 5.5 against the cap this year. He'll cost just 3.5 next year. But it's a well-timed shift as a bunch of that money is going to go to the Rupe Hintz long-term contract. He signed that eight-year monster deal. And so his salary is going to go up a little bit over $5 million. So they'll need every penny they can get. And Joe Pavelski clearly enjoying his time in Dallas by being willing to take that bit of a cut. Both those guys, part of their production this last week, you've got four points across the board for Hintz, 
Jamie Benn, Jason Robinson, Pavelski, and Miro Heiskanen. So they're top guys producing at a high volume. There's a lot of power play points coming for those guys. In fact, all four of Robinson's power uh, points came with a man advantage there. So if you really wanted to stretch and find a negative, not a lot of production out of some of these guys at five on five. But, you know, if you get the opportunities, it sounds like, you know, it seems like their power play is clicking. So there's no reason to really worry. Of course, they've got Ottinger in the Nets, three wins, five goals allowed this past week. So he's looking pretty good as well. So all things going pretty well for Dallas. I'm not sure what they would really need on a list. Um, they're getting net mining. They've got scoring. They've got a blue line producer in Miro Heiskanen. So this is a pretty solid team right now that may not need a whole lot of adjustments before the trade deadline. Well, and in Detroit, they have brought in Magnus Halberg to assist in the goaltending situation. And he's really responded with a couple of good efforts in the past week and uh, was instrumental in then picking up a couple of wins in his three appearances. So their depth and goal looks pretty solid. And you wonder if that makes them uh, trade possibility to move one of the other two guys but uh, the best news again another team that's benefiting from uh, return from the injured list Robbie Fabry looks like he's ready to play and Jakob Vrana will also re-enter the lineup he's in the minors right now finishing up uh, conditioning stints so two veteran players to insert into an offense that we've talked about in in recent weeks has started to find some traction because of the pieces that they've been brought in in the last couple of years by way of trade but they've also got found money in the addition of Jonathan Berggren, who has picked up his offensive pace and fit into a top six role. He's got four points in his last five games. So the offense is coming together. Maybe the wish list for me, though, is for Moritz Sider to find his way out of the sophomore slump that he's that has dogged him in a, in a pretty rough second year in the league after taking the Calder Trophy last year. Over in Edmonton, it's all good news today as they will get Leon Dreisaitl back into the lineup tonight. He missed the last two games due to injury, but he is good to go and ready to play for them. Uh, so that is their entire wish list, a healthy Leon Dreisaitl to get back in the lineup alongside Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hawkins, Zach Hyman, all who produced really good numbers last year, uh, last week here. One of the best kind of additions that I think this team may have made in the offseason it was late, uh, right before the season started. October 9th, they traded for Clem Costin from St. Louis, um, giving up a defenseman. Costin, with three goals this last week, has been a really solid uh, producer for them, a total of nine points in 22 games for Edmonton. Uh, a lot of that coming on lately, but just shows that he's getting more adjusted. It's been a really good December. He started the year in the minors, didn't produce anything in November, Got benched for one game, but since then, five goals, four assists in his last 15 games. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a negative here, the shot total may be a little bit low, just 12. But if you also need some physicality, if you're in a league that values hits, he's just shot 48 hits in those 15 games. So a physical player with a bit of an offensive upside and really, I think, a great addition to this team in the offseason. AJ, no team has fallen from grace uh, like the Florida Panthers for me this year over last year. They were a contender for the uh, league's point total race all year long, finishing high in those standings. And uh, this year, they're nowhere close to that. And you've, you've got uh, Alexander Barkov back in the lineup. Matthew Tuchuk's been a very nice offensive ad addition. They've got three very good offensive pieces on the back end and Forsling. Ekblad and Montour to build around. But you look at the goals against average, and it's over three for both Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. And I don't need to remind you, that's the most expensive goalie tandem in the entire NHL. So my wish list for Florida is simply, can these goalies kind of play to their value a little bit more than they have so far this year? It's going to require all hands on deck to play more of a defensive structure because that's what's missing in Florida's setup. And I think the goalies do pay for it, but they got to hold up their end of the bargain. They're getting paid a lot of money to do what they do. The Kings are riding Philip Deneau right now, who is on a seven game point streak during which he's got five goals, four assists, three of those points coming with the man advantage. So they are getting production uh, from, you know, some of the, the top parts of their lineup here as well as a few other guys chipping in. Victor Arvidsson with a goal and five assists in those three games. Alex Iafalo with four points as well. So a really solid run offensively for them. I think the interesting part here is we've seen a, a shift in Los Angeles towards Phoenix Copley. 
two wins in this past week in those two outings. Save percentage a little bit subpar. It was below 900 in those contests, so you'd like to see that come up. But he's been getting a lot more looks than Jonathan Quick, which is a bit of a surprise um, given how long Quick has been kind of their standard bearer between the pipes. Obviously, they feel like they found something in Copley. It's what convinced them to put Cal Patterson on waivers um, and drop him from from the NHL roster here. So um, I think things are looking up for the Kings, whether they're looking up enough to make the playoffs. uh, I I think they should be fine. I don't anticipate a a drop here, Um, but obviously Edmonton is not in a playoff spot right now. They'll push. Seattle has been playing a lot better, so they're going to face some stiff competition to hold on to that spot in the Pacific. You know, AJ, in Minnesota, they've got a lot of good things going for them. This is one of the most physical clubs in the league. they got a ton of talent on the wings. They've got uh, one of your favorite players in that who's having another great year as part of a tandem. Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafsson learning a lot from the venerable goaltender there. But And for me, though, I look at their center depth, and the number one line center, Sam, Sam Steele, is basically an unproven guy in the NHL. Joel Eriksson, a middling at best, and Frederick Gaudreau, more of a checking line center. So I think they've got to find a way to bolster their center depth, and that's the Christmas wish for them to find that help because they've got a lot of depth on the wings that would be even stronger if they've got a better distributor, a better offensive skills at the center position. Uh, the likes of Matt Zuccarello, Kirill Kaprasov, Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway, a fine quartet of wingers on the scoring line. But you can imagine their scoring titles would be boosted if they could find some uh, better centers to play with them. The wish list, I think, in Montreal is for somebody to take Evgeny Dadnoff off their hands, eating up $5 million against Cap. He's been a healthy scratch in three of their last four games. Um, Just they haven't been getting him into the lineup. I don't know if it's because they just want to see some of their younger talents. They know what they have in in Dadnoff. Uh, Yoel Armia is going to be scratched as well tonight. So um, some really interesting decisions that they're making there. They're getting David Savard back tonight. So that uh, should help on the defensive end. They're still without Mike Matheson. Sean Monaghan is still sidelined. Um, so really, you know, it's just kind of looking to the future again for Montreal bottom of the Atlantic. I don't see any reason that they would climb out of that spot. They're probably going to split things between Jake Allen and Sammy Montembeau just to see both guys kind of play a little bit more, especially with Montembeau being just 26 years of age, kind of want to figure out what they have there in him. But I would expect they probably will get calls on Jonathan Druin, who's a free agent next year. Maybe somebody would be willing to take Dadnoff, but I think the key there is at some point they're going to have to consistently put Dadnoff in games to kind of showcase him and let other teams see what he still has in the tank. In New Jersey, we're talking about one of the teams that has been a more pleasant surprise than many others. And like Minnesota, they've got two-thirds of their issues settled when you look at forward defense and goaltending. I like the forward depth here. They've certainly got a dynamic one-two punch in Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes to drive their offense, and they're getting a lot of mileage out of them. The defense has a bit of a hole in it when you consider Dougie Hamilton carrying most of the mail. And I thought that guys like Damon Severson and Ryan Graves would be doing enough on both ends of the puck to uh, to help them out in that regard. But it's been quite a drop-off in terms of what you get from those two guys. I mean, look at... Uh, when I do a quick glance at the scoring, Hamilton's up there with 31 points, and I have to go way down the list to find Severson with six. This guy was a power play specialist for this team from time to time over the last couple of years, and I keep referring to the time that I saw him play regularly for the Marlies here in the AHL affiliate in Toronto. He has a lot of offensive skills, but six six points on the season to date, not cutting it, and they have to find answers elsewhere to bolster that defense from an offensive standpoint. They've got the answers in the nets with a nice work from tandem, the tandem of Vanacek and uh, recently returning to health Mackenzie Blackwood. So it's the defense where the focal point on is for this club to improve upon as the trade deadline approaches in the next six or seven weeks. Well, another team that has some questions to answer is the Nashville Predators here. Um, they are being driven right now almost entirely by Philip Forsberg. Five goals in their last three games. The rest of the team has seven, with Jakob Trenin being the next closest with just two. So they are really dependent on Forsberg right now for their offensive production. Again, similarly, seven points for him. Next closest is Colton Sisson with just three. 
continues to kind of drop off from there. Um, the net mining has been okay. UC Saros, 933 save percentage in his last two games. Unfortunately, I think we've said this multiple weeks now, the Predators are just uh, doing everything kind of middle of the road. Um, they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. Overall, you look at their last 10 games, 3-3-4. Three, three, and four. So, I mean, I guess you could credit, you know, four extra points there, but that four could have easily been four wins potentially, and now you're looking at a lot more points. So, at, at this point, they need to start winning some games if they're going to get where they want to be into a playoff spot. Their goal differential compared to the rest of the central in the bottom here is you know, it's minus 13. That's not great. But St. Louis is a minus 21, Arizona, 26, Chicago, minus 58. So they're right there on the cusp, I think, of bringing something. But they're going to need to find more people that can score. And they're going to need to kind of stabilize in terms of wins. They can't have their goaltender going out, putting up a really solid save percentage like that, solid goals against average, but only coming away with one win. At the beginning of the season in the, on uh, New York Islanders profiles, we were predicting that Elias Sorokin would close the gap on his crosstown rivals over in New York, Shesterkin particularly, to be one of the top, viewed as one of the top goalies in the league. He certainly held up with that bargain with a 2.3 goals against average. And the defensive structure of the Islanders certainly lends itself to those solid numbers as well. But the problem that I see with this team is that uh, they've been missing some toughness and they're getting some of it back uh, with the re- imminent return of Cal Clutterbuck and in the Nets solidifying the gold inning tandem is Semyon Barlamov coming off the IR. But really, when I look at this club, they are a little bit offensively uh, negligent or uh, un- short, let's say. The likes of John gabriel Peugeot, eight goals, Anthony Beauvillier, eight goals, and uh, also Justin Josh Bailey, Justin. Josh Bailey with six goals, only 16 points. He's supposed to be at, probably at twice that point total and verging on almost being a point-per-game player here. And so uh, these are all key secondary scorers, some of them even getting first-line minutes. So when their totals are so low, that means that they have to play defensively to, to stay in game. So my hope for them is to find a way to bolster uh, what is a flagging offense right now. I don't think there can be anything more depressing for a goaltender than what happened to Igor Shesterkin the other night. Gives up one goal on 40 shots and comes away with an overtime loss here. Um, the, the, the shootout defeat here to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like just a phenomenal performance by him, um, but they just couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't pull it together uh, in terms of offensive production. And that's just got to hurt so bad. You look, you know, uh, this last week, three games played, Shesterkin goes 0-1-1 with a 9-4-2 save percentage. You want to talk about a guy being wasted right now. Um, that lack of offense is just crushing them. They have other concerns among the forward ranks. You have Lafreniere was a healthy scratch for a game. Uh, so speaking to some problems there, he's pointless, uh, didn't score this past week. Neither did Vitaly Kratsov, Keandre Miller, Philip Hedl, all those guys going pointless this past week, most of their offense coming from Mika Zabinijad, who had three goals, and then Panarin, Trocek, and Kreider combining for three goals. I think you see the point here. The offense is the key problem here for this Rangers team right now. You can have the best netminder in the league, but at some point, somebody's got to start scoring. And the same rings true in Ottawa. When the season started, they were touting the fact that their top six forwards would be the equal of, say, provincial rivals the maple leafs they're a little bit short of that but not far really but it's it's beyond that that really the story is told here in ottawa five their top five scorers have between 38 and 33 points aj but below that their next highest offensive total from a forward is 17 by shaden pinto so that's a heck of a drop off to the sixth place scorer on this team in terms of the offense, uh, offensive pieces. And the same can be said for uh, Thomas Shabbat, 20 points in his totals. Jake Sanderson has 13, nobody else even in double figures. So it's a real drop off from the high end of the Ottawa situation to, uh, to the bottom half. And uh, they've got to find a way to close that gap. And that should be their, uh, their Christmas search, I'll say. So the Christmas present would be to bolster the offensive pieces because they have also solved their situation in that they thought that they would 
they would be looking better in that regard. Cam Talbot has brought some stability back, playing the lion's share of the game since he returned to health. In fact, and got the goals against average down to 2.75 on the season. And he's backed by Anton Forsberg, who's ready to play on a steady basis. They're both over 91% in terms of save percentage. So they're holding up their end of the bargain. They need more offense here. The Flyers, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, Paul, but they've found their solution and goal in Samuel <laughs> Erson, uh, who is on a three-game winning streak for them. In fact, uh, I would call it maybe a technicality, but technically hasn't lost in the NHL yet in four appearances. His one relief outing didn't go very well, but unfortunately for Carter Hart, uh, Hart was the netminder of record. So with Hart on IR and continuing to be out of the lineup, Felix Sandstrom was supposed to maybe step in here. He's dealt with some injury concerns of his own. So it's Samuel Erson who's gotten their three wins this last week. They are obviously trending in the right direction here, but I think it's just going to end up being too little too late. Now, obviously, there's still more than half the season uh, of left here, so the Flyers could still put some things together. Um, but I think things just feel – uh, disconnected here. You've got Couturier and Atkinson still out. Hart is out. You've got Kevin Hayes being a healthy scratch uh, despite being the leading point producer for this team. I just don't think there's a, a connection here with this team, and I don't expect that they're going to be able to dig their way out of uh, kind of the hole they're in to get into a playoff spot. AJ, we've reached that point in the show where we'll take a break. I want to give you a chance to line up what might be a lengthy Christmas wish list from your part on the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll come back and get your thoughts on that. In the meantime, let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some news and notes from the remaining teams around the league. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE system yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. AJ, let's have a word from our main sponsor at Caesars and also a reminder of how our fans can get in touch with you and me on a weekly basis going forward, particularly with an eye toward the trade deadline, which is a few weeks away. So undoubtedly things are heating up in fantasy leagues all over the place. And we're available to hear your best pitches for trade proposals that you're thinking about sending out or receiving. Curious to see what those might look like and uh, happy to comment on them any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll lead into that first here, Paul. As you mentioned, uh, we are both available over on Twitter. We love interacting with everybody out there and getting your questions and, and uh, hearing your takes about things that we might have said, uh, things that you're seeing in the league. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Scholes. You can follow Paul on Twitter at Statsman22. And the only reason we're able to do that is with the support of our sponsors like Caesars, we obviously have the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. You've got the NHL and NBA seasons in full swing right now. It's the best time to try Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. All right, partner, I'll give you a chance to collect your breath while I give an introductory note on my observations on the Penguins. They made a bet at the beginning of this season that the veteran trio of Latang, Malkin, and Crosby could keep this team competitive. They've done their part. And uh, they're, they're right in the thick of things. There's no question about that. But they got a bit of a tough blow out of the Winter Classic with Tristan Jerry pulling up with an injury. Dustin dakarski has been called up from the minors. That t- tells me this is not a day by, day-to-day thing. At least I don't think so. But what's the up-to-date uh, situation with the Penguins' number one goalie? And uh, what's your outlook on, on the Penguins at the moment? Yeah, I mean, things not going great right now when you consider uh, Jari picks up that lower body injury. They haven't really provided an update other than the Tokarski call-up, so it's hard to know what you're going to expect there. I do have some confidence in Casey DeSmith. He's been um, okay to start the year. I mean, that's not exactly what you want to say about your netminder, but 299, the goals against average, the record a little wanting at 4-7-2. Um, but I, I think he can be good enough for this team to stay competitive. I'm a little bit more concerned about uh, the fact that uh, Chris Letang, who was dealing with a lower body injury, unfortunately had to leave the team following the passing of his father. Our condolences obviously go out to him. But, uh, you know, I don't know what the status of that lower body injury was. So we'll have to uh, see how that works uh, from that standpoint. So. We'll have to roll with that um, and and figure that side out. But I think this team can bounce back. It would be helpful if they could get either Josh Archibald or Ryan pulling back. They're both dealing with injuries. The defense Latang injury is hurt even more by the fact that Jeff Petrie is still out. Um, so they're a little banged up right now. Overall, though, I think this is still a team that knows how to win games. They just need to figure out how to stop these uh 
you know, come from behind victories. And I think really the key here is to listen to their coach and play solid defensively. AJ, what about the Seattle situation? It's a team that last year did not have the best uh, of inaugural seasons. Certainly wasn't the worst on record for a first-year club, but it paled in comparison to what Vegas did a few years ago. But uh, they've certainly stocked themselves well at the forward position, and they have a good power play quarterback in Vince Dunn and uh, probably got better goaltending than I thought they were going to get from uh, from their tandem in the nets what do you see most recently and is there a, a projection for you in terms of what they might be looking forward to going looking ahead yeah i think the the unique thing about seattle and we've seen this a couple times i think generally we see it out of maybe the islanders is this isn't a team that has like a, a star player on it right like other than than maddie berniers uh the the rookie here but like yeah jordan Eberle, Andre Burakovsky, Jared McCann, but overall, for the most part, during the bulk of their career, these guys have been role players and and top six role players, but none of them have really been stars. And then you've got between the nets, you've got Martin Jones kind of uh, having a career resurgence a little bit here right now, um, looking better than he has in a number of years. In fact, he needs just two more wins to post his highest win total since 2018. It's been that bad lately uh, that his 15 wins puts him that close. That's more wins than he had last year in Philadelphia. That's tied for the year before that, uh, his last year in San Jose. So a bit of a career resurgence for Marty Jones. But somehow this team seems to have gelled and found something. I think it's helpful that they're not overly reliant on any one player in terms of their offensive production. Um, But maybe that's what they're looking for then on their wish list heading into the trade deadline. Because I do think they're going to be buyers here. Maybe it's to bring in, you know, a a big name guy who can be a really solid point producer for them and kind of give this team a little something extra that they don't already have. It's not going to be a cheap ask to try and bring a player like that in. Um, But we've certainly seen it before. And I think they do have some, you know, some capital here if, to spend if they want to do that they've got three second round picks next year in the draft so there's there they've got some movement here on being able to build out um, if they want to do that or they could just sit back call this kind of a bonus year not spend those draft kit picks and continue to you know uh, pursue that kind of long-term development that most uh, you know expansion franchises have to do we just saw something so different in Vegas that it's really not fair to compare Seattle to that and uh, you look at San Jose's situation, AJ, and I got stuck when I saw on the salary uh, structure here on Cap Friendly, looking at the high-end players on this team that are committed for to long-term salaries. You've got Mario Ferrara, you've got Mark Edward Vlasic, you've got Eric Carlson on defense, all signed up until at least the 25-26 season. You've got Hurdle and Couture up front tied it into eight plus million dollars for the next four seasons as well. And this team really isn't going anywhere. So I don't know how you get out from under that other than to uh, get very lucky at the draft and maybe turn some other assets into uh, more pieces. So looking at the situation for Timo Meyer, who's in his uh, last year on a $6 million cap hit, do they resign him or do they turn him around and, to, and get other pieces? I think my wish list is, set, is focused on a guy like him who can really return some pieces and maybe start to fill in with some real quality that won't cost them as much and kind of uh, play out the string on some of these higher end deals until those players uh, may be dangled for, uh, for trades in the future. But I think the key here is what to do with Timo Meyer and my Christmas present for this club is to figure that out and turn him into assets that will plug some holes elsewhere on this roster. Well, the St. Louis Blues got uh, a lump of coal for Christmas. There's no arguing that. They've got uh, Ryan O'Reilly going to miss six weeks with a foot injury, so we're projecting him about mid-February return. Obviously, Tori Krug has already been out and is set for mid-February. And then Tarasenko, a broken hand, a four-week expected absence for him. So that's the end of January there. So, you know, really – some of the best talented players on this team in O'Reilly Tarasenko and Krug are the ones who are going to be sidelined here. Um, They're obviously still without Logan Brown as well. 
Marco Scandella, Scott Peruvinich are both out on the blue line as well. So they're they're having to kind of scrape the depths here of their organization, put guys into roles that maybe they didn't anticipate they would fill at the start of the season. Um, so there, there's a lot of questions for this team. Uh, and it, you know, the hard part for them is what sort of moves can you even make before the trade deadline here, based on when these guys are coming back, you're not really going to know what your team looks like. Um, you know, and it's, it's not a situation where you can just activate these guys for the postseason either. We've seen other teams do that periodically um, based on the timelines, they should be back before then. So I think uh, the blues are in a really difficult spot here. Um, and, you know, they kind of probably have to wait, you know, play a wait and see game. They're fifth right now in the, the central division. So they're certainly not out of it, but without those key players, are they going to be able to produce enough wins to stay in it and stay relevant? I think uh, if they don't, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, maybe they could become sellers just because they are missing such crucial pieces right now. And, you know, AJ, when you talk about high end teams, you talk about teams that can ice four, five, six, top six forwards, the, the Bolt, Tampa Lightning have been able to do that for much of the last few seasons and be successful in the play, playoffs. But I see issues with this top six when you consider Brandon Hagel and Anthony Sorelli are younger guys that are being asked to fill those uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth roles on this offense. And Alex Killorn getting a little uh, uh, banged up over the last couple of years might not be as good as he has been in the past. So maybe bolstering that top six is something they're going to be looking for uh, under their uh, Christmas wish column. But uh, the rest of the club certainly looks very solid. I thought they might take a step back defensively when they traded Ryan McDonough, but the likes of Mikhail Sergachev and Zach Bogosian and Victor Hedman, Eric Chernak, that's a pretty solid quartet up front. Bogosian is the guy that surprised me turning back the clock when he was picked up off the scrap heap by this club. Uh, I thought that was more of a fill-in, but he's been more than solid uh, looking looking at what he's done so far this season. So bolstering the top six, I think, with another quality addition there is something that they're going to be shooting for and maybe the best thing that they can do to help this team because you want to take that guy and maybe prevent prevent a team like Toronto or Boston from uh, further bolstering their offensive attacks too. So it would be a race toward the offensive pieces and the Lightning don't want to be third in that department with those other two teams in total. I'll give a quick rundown of the injury situation with Toronto and then turn it over to you, Paul. They got Morgan Riley back for their last two games. I think that's a huge addition to their blue line. I think the only downside for them is it potentially is going to bump Connor Timmons out, out of the lineup or at least minimize his minutes when he does play. He had been a really solid contributor for them since coming over uh, from, from Colorado there. So uh, we'll see what all that shakes out. He could still be in the mix for, for some opportunities here. But other than that, there's not really a ton of injury news uh, for the Leafs, Paul. What are you seeing in terms of the on-ice play? Well, I'm seeing the fact that this team continues to commit themselves to a really solid defensive structure, AJ, and the beneficiaries to that are a tandem that a lot of people were not very high on at the beginning of the season, but Matt Murray and Elias Samsonov have got save percentages right around 92%. That speaks to the fact the Leafs are the second-best team in the goals against average race for the Vezina Trophy. And uh, so that's, that's a surprise to me, for sure. You mentioned about the situation on defense. Every team wants to go into the playoffs with no fewer than eight quality defensemen. The Leafs have that in place, so that takes that item off the wish list. But I mentioned what's happening in Tampa, and the Leafs have to be mindful of their goals there because they're likely going to be facing this club once again. So bolstering the offense is something the Leafs can look at. This They're a little bit off where they were the last couple of seasons, but certainly they've filled in. Uh, below the top four offensive pieces, John Tavares, Barner, Nylander, and Matthews continue to do what they do. But uh, ba- Michael Bunting's having a fine year, and Kelly Arncroft, if he can stay healthy, might be the answer to that second-line left-wing conundrum. At, at worst, though, they've they've uh, solidified a third-scoring line with Camp centering Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot, who for the most part this season were missing in action, but they've really turned it up and uh, improved the outlook for that team to get some depth scoring that these guys are chipping in regularly and they'll be on the hunt to add another piece in that regard. That's been their bugaboo. They haven't had anybody outside the top six score uh, enough to be uh, 
significant contributors in the postseason. That's the shopping list uh, beginning to end uh, on this team. Find another depth scorer. Well, Paul, I'll lead you into Vancouver as well. Sure. Um, injury front news here. Thatcher Demko did skate today without any equipment. While that's certainly a good sign, it doesn't bode well for a near-term uh, return to action for him. They are going to have Tanner Pearson traveling with them, so that could give him an opportunity. The, the Canucks are headed on a five-game road trip, so it's possible we'll see Tanner Pearson at some point in there. Other than that, a relatively healthy team. Paul, what else do you see from uh, the Canucks? They've been surrounded by drama all year long, AJ, and uh, most recently it's been centering around Bo Horvat, their captain, and uh, they just can't keep uh, rumors of him and an imminent departure uh, in the final year of his trade, uh, of his salary cap situation. He's, he's got a contract of $5.5 million that expires at the end of this season, and I don't know that they have the, the room to, to fit him in going forward. It certainly seems like they're committed in going into, into another direction. And uh, uh, the fact that long-term Brock Besser and uh, Elias Pettersson uh, has retaken the offensive load here, these are the guys that are going to lead the next generation of players in Vancouver, along with JT Miller, who signed another big contract last year. So I think figuring out the Bo Horvat circumstance is is tops on their wish list and uh, figuring out how they can get more out of Oliver Ekman Larson has to be something of the lump of coal in there uh, under their tree. He's got a cap hit of 7.256 million over the next four years. And that looks like a, it's going to be something we talk about whenever we talk about the worst contracts around the NHL. That's a high nominee for me. Well, Paul, one thing we've talked about over the years has been uh, a bit of a complaint. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, mostly on your part <laughs> about upper body versus lower body injury and the lack of uh, details around around injuries. I've been a little less concerned about the upper and lower body issue uh, aspect of it. But what I do uh, want to draw attention to is the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights have historically always across multiple coaches been really bad about this. When you consider on December 13th, they called Jack Eichel day-to-day with his lower body injury. Now, they had put him on IR. They called him day-to-day. Well, it's January 3rd, and we still haven't seen Eichel back yet. You know who else is day-to-day? That's uh, uh, Jonathan Marchessault, also was classified as a team by day-to-day. And then he was placed on IR after that day-to-day classification with the lower body injury. And he, again, that day-to-day designation was December 23rd. So we're two weeks out. Uh, from from that so that's the one thing I more complain about it's one thing if you want to stick to the upper or lower body uh, I don't really like when it's undisclosed only because we have such general terms right like you know we're, we're just asking is it the top half or the lower half like so I don't really think we need undisclosed um, but to call a guy day to day and then he's out for the next three weeks like that's just uh unrealistic you know or update if he was day-to-day but suffered a setback like let's talk about that um and it's interesting that in like the betting capital of i'll i'll say the world if not just north america that the team is so bad about that that's based there so a little bit of a rant uh on the golden knights there but uh you know it is the kind of key to what they're dealing with right now you've got shea theodore alec martinez zach white cloud all injured obviously robin leonard and shea weber for the entire year jack eichel is out jonathan march is all out paul cotter and uh, nolan patrick done pretty much for the year if not for his career um so there are just so many injuries on this team and they don't give us any sort of details on are we talking week to week or day to day um, and I really think it's disingenuous to have called Jack Eichel three, four weeks, three weeks ago now, a day-to-day injury. As an owner of Jack Eichel in a very high-profile league, I echo those sentiments, but I share your thoughts completely. I don't understand what the NHL is trying to prove by allowing teams to continue to, to dodge uh, accuracy in terms of timelines for players who are on the injured list or with these day-to-day designations. I mean, they even have color-coded jerseys for these team players to wear at practice, and it seems like uh, Jack Eichel's been in a non-contact jersey for quite a long time, yet he's been skating with the club. So you wonder what what the heck is going on. A little more clarity in that regard is something that could could help this this league get more money. If there's more money being bet on this 
these games, a lot of it's going to come back to the teams and, and the players association gets their share too. So I don't understand the downside uh, of, of keeping the, this information under wraps. And I keep comparing it to the NFL where they report everything, anything and everything. And there's no question which league makes more money. So maybe taking that page out of the NFL, it's a story that I'll repeat uh, for as long as we have this this uh, platform, AJ. Uh, follow the lead of the NFL, and good things will happen to this league too. So this is an area where they fall short, and they've got to fill that gap. So I'm glad you opened the door for that rant, and I'll double down on that, on that <laughs> one any, any day of the week. And uh, the last team I'm going to take a look at is the Washington Capitals. Of course, every week it seems we're talking about Alex Ovechkin. He added four more goals to the mix but uh, he's not the only one that's being notorious. Eric Gustafsson has kind of reinvented himself again. It was a few years ago when he was playing in Chicago, AJ, but he had a 60-point season. Well, he's looking like that guy again with another six-point week from the back end, and they're going to need more of that from him because John Carlson is on the injured list. Uh, there's no timeline for his return, but he's missing, going to be missing for some time, we think, and so uh, a productive Eric Gustafsson is going to be instrumental to that situation more good news from uh, from the standpoint of players that might be of value in dfs play and certainly in the top six in washington tj oshi is expected to return to the lineup this week so that's very good news but their offense is humming along right now and adding a healthy oshi is only going to make that more formidable unit and they've also found money in the nets too with uh, charlie lindgren who has been outstanding since he's been given a, ch- a chance to strut his stuff and enjoying his career best stint uh, as a pro uh, with some real good recent play in Washington to spell uh, their top goalie who's been struggling for much of the last few weeks. Well, we rounded out with a look at the Winnipeg Jets who have been dealing with some injury concerns of their own, a pretty lengthy list of guys that are out. But fortunately, Winnipeg is willing to say that some of these guys might return on Friday. So we have a better, clear uh, timeline here, guys that could return, not confirmed yet, but might be options. Cole Perfetti, Blake Wheeler, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, Nate Schmidt, all potential returns on Friday. So we'll see who actually does get into the lineup or not, but certainly things trending in the right direction there. And they're going to need all hands on deck here. Uh, they continue to be second in the central, firmly cemented in that playoff spot. Obviously, a key piece of that is Connor Hellubuck who continues to see the lion's share of the workload uh, for the Jets and will continue to do so. He played all three games for them last week. 2-1-0 and was the record. Uh, 9-2-6, a save percentage. So they're getting kind of vintage Connor Hellybuck right now uh, and really looking pretty good uh, this year. They're getting okay net mining from David Riddich. Uh, you know, you could um, – you know, five, four and oh in nine games, but a, a goals against average that's tied currently for the best at any point in his career. So it's hard to expect much more than that. Uh, he'll continue to see minimal usage, just nine games so far. I would be surprised if he gets to 25 on the year. I'll be shocked too, AJ. We'll turn our attention now into the final segment where we do our best to uh, outfit you for DFS play tonight on a very busy slate on a Tuesday night. We're Happy to be back in the Tuesday time slot because there are more games to anticipate and more players to choose from when we draw these lineups together. And as usual, AJ will lead us off with his look at the DraftKings lineup. And I'm curious to know what your strategy is on a big slate like tonight. Looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, so over uh, over for uh, this matchup here, um, I went heavy on the Lightning. Uh, I think they've got the best matchup. They're, yes, they're on the road, but they're facing a Chicago team that is just – uh, abysmal. There are a couple of good matchups overall in the slate. So you have your choice of stacks tonight. Um, I think the Lightning, uh, the Maple Leafs are stack options. I think uh, the Panthers are a stack option going up against uh, Arizona, I think, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly here. So there's a number of teams that you can stack uh, tonight. But I went with the Lightning. And for me, that starts with Braden Point at 7,500 as my top center. And then I'll go with that whole line uh, and Two of my wingers, Brandon Hagel at 6,100 and Nikita Kucherov at 8,400. I just think this is such a good matchup. This line has been producing really well, especially Point, who's got five goals in his last five games. Uh, so a plenty to see there. Admittedly, for my other center spot, I'm going to steal from our friend Anna Dua over at NHL.com. She mentioned that she really likes Jordan Stahl tonight. 
He comes in at just 3,200. He's been playing really well for Carolina. As I mentioned, the Rangers' offense has been a little bit sketchy. Um, so I think there's a good opportunity there. If you're tracking along, though, I've spent a ton of money. So I need to kind of punt, admittedly, at my next two offensive spots. So for my third winger, I go with Zach Aston Reach for Toronto. They've got the good matchup. They're playing at home. And so really, I just got some low-cost Leafs guys who could pick up an assist or something here or there. Uh, in a game that should be relatively one-sided. And my utility spot comes in the same uh, vein there. I went with Kelly Yarncroft for Toronto, 2,900. Again, these are kind of punts so that I could spend up at other spots, but they're one-sided matchups where you could see third lines, fourth lines getting a little bit more ice time if the game gets uh, a little out of hand there. Uh, So a good opportunity to use some of these guys. On the blue line, I did go back to the Lightning and use Victor Hedman, 6,600. Not quite as expensive as the top of the board here, but certainly not cheap. Uh, just a key matchup there. And then Noah Hannafin comes in for 5K over on DraftKings here. Uh, he actually, over the last two weeks, is fourth in the league among defensemen in shots. I think this is a good opportunity for him to get some opportun- uh, some chances there. As I mentioned, the Jets are dealing with a number of injuries, so Uh, It could open up some opportunities for Calgary to put a lot of pucks on net. And then between the pipes, I went with Jake Ottinger for Dallas. He's on a four-game winning streak right now, looking really solid, uh, really quality, and doesn't cost up as much as you would if you were going to use like a Vasilevsky. AJ, I went a different route than you. Uh, I thought I thought you might load up on one or two teams, and I wanted to t- take a look at what my lineup would resemble if I didn't go that way and went and gra- uh, shopping. Uh, with different players from different teams as much as I could today with a couple of exceptions. I did get two players from a couple of teams. So I began with Tim Stutzler for $7,400. I looked at a couple of mismatches at my center position. He's going to get the Columbus Blue Jackets. I spoke at length about how dreadful Columbus is uh, defensively, and Ottawa's been playing very well offensively. Stutzler has been in the middle of it with a nice offensive run of late. I feel the same about a matchup in against Arizona for Florida tonight. This is a team that led the league in offense last season, and I think they could be in for a good offensive evening. And so I had no problem spending $6,100 on Sam Bennett to round out my pair of centers and leave me some ample money to spend elsewhere, which I started to do on the wings. I did take a look at the Toronto matchup against St. Louis, reminding listeners that there are a couple of key elements missing from the St. Louis lineup. The Leafs did score five goals against this squad last last week and I think the floor that's the floor tonight against a depleted St. Louis roster so I I didn't hesitate to put Michael Bunting in for $5,700 and Mitch Marner who drives this team uh, offensively $7,500 good value plays I think for both of them in this matchup and former St. Louis Blue uh, is one of my two defensemen Vince Dunn power play quarterback for Seattle we've talked at length about the number of offensive pieces that Seattle has among their forward ranks to become a better-than-average uh, offensive club. Well, Vince Dunn is the main beneficiary as the power play quarterback here. Coming in at $5,300, I expect a shootout in Edmonton between his club and the homestanding Oilers. And then I pick Neil Pionk, who has been uh, a top-scoring defenseman for Winnipeg ever since he landed there from his time in New York a couple of seasons ago. He comes in at $4,700. I expect a high-scoring game, an emotional tilt between the Jets and the Calgary Flames tonight, and I think there's going to be lots of power play time, and Pionk will factor into that as well. So $4,700, money well spent there. I always like to go cheaper than average on the defense, so I get two scoring defensemen for a total of ten grand there. Round out my team, AJ, by looking at Jaden Schwartz from Seattle as well, $5,100 for a top six player. It factors into the power play here and uh, cheap value for a guy who's going to be involved in less scoring plays for the visitors tonight against Edmonton, I think. And then coming off the mat really is Toygo Teravainen, a guy who has – Reclaimed the top line scoring position in Calgary alongside Sebastian Ajo, yet his price tag is only $5,200. He's got a tough matchup against the Rangers, but I trust the fact that Carolina is a high chance team and that Tara Vinen will be factoring in a number of shots on goal against the Rangers, and I, I look for him to hit the score sheet. In the Nets, I, I was tempted to save a little bit more money and go high 
to one of the higher options. But then I trust the Buffalo Sabres in the way they're playing AJ of late. And Ukapeka Lukanen has held up his end of the bargain for them in the Nets. So I'll gladly spend $7,700 in a matchup against Washington. I think they're going to suffer without John Carlson in the Nets. And I, I did men- make the case for Gustafsson being uh, the guy who's going to have to carry the mail. I just don't know that he's capable of filling Carlson's shoes and they'll be a, a step behind a very physical Buffalo team tonight in that matchup. So those are two very differently constructed lineups and I'm curious which one will, will cash. Maybe both of them will, AJ. That'll be something to look forward to. But uh, in terms of final thoughts, I know you are not a world junior guy. Okay. But I gotta see, I gotta know, did you see the highlights of, of the Canadian game last night? With Connor Bedard, he must have whet the appetite of several GMs around the league. The way he scored the winning goal last night, uh, deep two forwards right out of their underwear, and then the goalie's jockstrap might be in the upper end of the arena. The way he deeped all three of these guys inside the blue line in, in the overtime to give Canada a win and set up a date between uh, our two countries' uh, World Junior teams coming up later this week. I did not catch it, Paul. Unfortunately, uh, finding those games uh, to watch in in the U.S. is a little tricky. You have to have NHL Network, which I do not, unfortunately. But uh, I, you know, everything I've I've read and everything I've heard is uh, you know trending in in the right direction for him to pretty easily be the number one pick. And uh, so we'll see who gets it. Right now, Chicago should be the favorites. Well, and this is a thing where I'd like to see a team that really needs that boost get a player like that, and he would be a signature player wherever he's going to land. There's no question in my mind. But Chicago would be a really good landing spot. This is uh, one of the original six teams in the league, and I tell you, AJ, I've seen this guy's highlights all year long, and they just keep your jaw dropping and dropping even further and further every time he pulls it off. I hope you get a chance to Google or or go on YouTube and see what he did last night uh, to win the game for the Canadian juniors. It was uh, something that will be replayed here in Canada for for decades, I think. It's just one of the more spectacular individual efforts, and he's uh, he's got a bag full of them uh, already in in this tournament as well as in this season of junior hockey. He's just been separating himself from the rest of the field like you implied. And uh, there is a real prize at the end of the season for the team that wins the uh, the lottery. And I wonder what teams will be doing to tank for a better opportunity to get him. There could be a lot of deals in the NHL at the trade deadline, and they're all focused on getting giving teams a chance to get this guy in their uniform next year. Anyway, that's a place where we're going to wind up for our first episode of 2023. We welcome a new year, and we we certainly welcome all of you back. And thank you for listening to Roller Wire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. So long, everybody.